This is Killstreak. your favorite future lover i hope it's us welcome this is killstreak episode 99 oh we are so close to the centennial episode i'm eric goslin joining me here as always i'm sorry i interrupted you mike mike price it's fine i was just saying oh man because we're one episode away i can't Uh, believe it did you ever in your wildest imagination think that we would get a hundred episodes in I think it was a 50-50 shot. <laughs> that's not an exciting <laughs> answer, but that's that's kind of how I felt uh, going in. Uh, just to just to get this out there right now, we are going to have our, our wrap-up and rankings episode on Thursday. Mm-hmm. That is not episode 100. No. We're going to uh, do another episode after that that will be our episode 100. Yeah. And it will not be associated with a series. We're going to mm-hmm. do something special. Yeah. Uh, and then we'll resume with our new series. So I guess we probably won't even announce. Well, should, maybe we'll announce what our new series is on the. We can announce our new series on the rating on the rankings episode. Yeah, I, feel like. I think so. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. It's a fun. It'll at least provide for good content. Yeah, I'll say that much. Be, <laughs> I think people are going to have a good time with it, and that's what we strive for here at Killstreak. Um, but yes, next uh, Tuesday. You can watch your feed for the Killstreak 100th episode spectacular. Um, we got a lot of work to do. We, we got to figure out what this is going to be. It's going to be special. Hey, let's just say this at the top of the show. Uh huh. Send in your voicemails. It Please. can be. It could really be anything. Just uh, once. Just for one time. Once every hundred episodes. Send yeah. us a voicemail and make that time in the in the intervening week. Right. Starting right now. Or email us or uh, tweets. We'll do all listener interactions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, maybe we can even get a guest. I don't know. We'll maybe. see. <laughs> I don't want to promise anything we can't deliver. <laughs> Und- under promise. Under promise. Uh, no <laughs> guests. My, un- under no circumstances will there be any interesting guests. <laughs> yeah. uh, so today we are talking Scream 2022, a.k.a. Scream 5, or as I think it should be stylized, for a screen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, I forgot also, we didn't mention this at all last week, but there were, I think, some posters or some publicity for Scream 4 that was Scriforum. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is uh, with Title Gore? That's what we call that. It was, you know, it was the S C R E 4 M. Yeah. Scriforum. I, d- I do think that this should be 5 C E R E A M. 5 cream. 5 cream. Yeah, that's that's right. That's that's better than scrifivum. 5 5 scrum. All right, from now on for the rest of the episode, we're referring to this movie as 5 cream. I want to uh tease this. Uh-huh. I have some hot takes about this entire series coming yeah. up in the next segment. So unlike when you and I went to see Halloween Kills, even though we did see it in the theater together with my we lovely fiance Kenda, uh, we did not discuss the movie afterwards. No, we did not. We we kind of awkwardly stood around each other after, <laughs> and we're like, "Your fiance was like, 
oh, you're not going to talk about it? Like, nope, nope. And we just kind of <laughs> abruptly walk away, walked would it, away. Would it be funny if I like refused to talk to her about it either? <laughs> she has to listen to this. Silence the whole ride home. <laughs> no, she and I talked about it, uh, and I and I certainly I'll say this, you know. Uh, I, 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 I always like to, I have my own ideas, my own feelings, but, uh, I did consider some of the things that she said. Uh, well, that's, that's good. That's good to do when you watch with somebody else, a uh, partner. Cause that definitely like changed even my opinion of like black Christmas 2019. Same, same with me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That. It was, it was literally, she watched about half of it with me and that's telling in and of itself. <laughs> she yeah. left halfway through the movie. Um, um, but anyways, we've already talked about that movie. We have. Let's talk about Scream 5. Scream. Five Cream. Five Cream. <laughs> Ooh, that sounds like a delicious treat. <laughs> it's like the American uh, Trace Leches cake. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> five Cream Cake. Fuck your three. Five. <laughs> it's like Tex-Mex. Um, okay. So anyways, uh, do you know the guys who directed this? Do you know their thing? Um. No. Okay. Oh, wait, no. They they did your... No. Did they do your neck? No, they did no. Ready or Not. Ready or Not. Yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I do, so, so I've seen that movie. Okay. So it's it's a, a directing duo. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go by the names Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette. Are those their real names? Those are their real names. Okay. So <laughs> when you said they go by the names... Made it made me feel like you're, they're going to be like pseudonyms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's really uh, Babalu Mandel and what's his name? Oh, anyway, yeah. that was a weird uh, reference. Um, they are two thirds of a filmmaking collective known as Radio Silence. Um, oh, I've heard that before. Yes, and and their third, um, God, the guy's name is is escaping me, but he's a producer on the movie, uh, so they are still uh, a collective working together. Um, what is it? is it chad yeah chad villella is the mm. third and he's a producer of the movie so they started out um i think they they kind of broke into horror with um they directed one of the sequences from the original vhs yes um and then their debut feature was a movie called devil's do from 2014 which apparently was not well received but had some some fans and they actually say that they ultimately ended up getting connected to, like, you know, tap to do ready or not. Because of the movie, even though it sort of failed, they had a sort of rebound feature called Southbound um, that that I think did a lot better. Is that another, that's the other anthology movie, right? Yes, it is an anthology. That's but, really good. That, okay. That's probably where I, I mean, I see, I've seen VHS, but Southbound is really good. Yeah, I've, I've never seen it. So, yeah, so it's interesting because basically they went, you know, segment of a compilation, well received. They got to make a feature, poorly received. They go back to the compilation thing, well received again, and that's how they end up. But apparently, they 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 got very good feedback from everyone who worked with them on Devil's Do. Mm-hmm. And I read I read a long interview with them, and and I think Hollywood Reporter, and just kind of saying like. Yeah, one of the producers of Ready or Not was, you know, they were considering them and, and basically just asked, is like, hey, how are these guys to work with? And and they were like, oh, they I were mean, great. You know. It's hard to make a good movie. Yeah. And, you know, as long as you have people who want to work with you, then that's... That's, that's, that's worth that's, as much as anything. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so Ready or Not, uh, you've seen it, right? Yes, I have. Yeah, so that was a movie that I enjoyed. Um, it's cool. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was well done. Uh, and it definitely like overachieved a little bit, I think. You know, mm-hmm. just for what seemed like a pretty small horror film. It had uh, a lot of buzz around it. I mean, it's, yeah. it's very zeitgeisty. Um, mm-hmm. Just it's in terms of like everybody hates hates rich people. I know I'm not saying anything <laughs> that disparagingly. It's I Eric I too hate. Yeah, <laughs> I mean I think you know we should we're all going to be billionaires someday. So why <laughs> why tax them too heavily? Man, it's there's no reason behind it other than jealousy. I'm one of, I'm one of those weird guys who just like <laughs> defends Elon Musk on Twitter. Yeah, there's. Uh, Thousands of them. Thousands. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, Scream, Five Cream, uh, Scream mm-hmm. 2022, uh, is this. Now, we joked about this at the beginning last week. This is the first non Weinstein Scream production. So, Hell yeah. We are free. Wash your hands. Please sanitize wash your hands. all surfaces. <laughs> Um, get rid yeah. of your potted plants. <laughs> oh no. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, for obvious reasons, the Weinstein company folded up a few years ago and there was kind of a big sell off of their properties. Um, and a formerly defunct production company named Spyglass, who, uh, started out in the in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Their first big movie was The Sixth Sense, mm. um, and they did a lot of genre stuff. But you know, like a lot of kind of mid budget films that there are less and less of these days. Sure, yeah. Um, they folded up in 2012 after the company got bought out. Um, but one of the original producers who founded the company they restarted it about two and a half three years ago um and uh this is the first feature from the newly revived spyglass um they seem to be uh setting out to just do remakes basically uh and revivals sort of Uh, the uh what is the what was the michael bay uh, Um, platinum dunes Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something something very similar. Because um, this is, you know, uh, this is what uh, Spyglass has on the books so far. Uh, so this was the first, this is not the first thing that they put into production, but it was the first thing to be finished. And that's mostly due to the fact that they started back up in 2019. And then, COVID, yeah, because right? this, I don't want to uh, inter- interrupt your flow, but this no, got no. shut down for the pandemic right yes it did it was originally supposed to start shooting in may of 2020 um so for obvious reasons they had to push so they ended up shooting it in the fall of 2020 um so this was this was a movie that got delayed twice because of COVID. once to shoot and then another time for release man remember those heady days of oh no october 2020 no that that would have been I'm thinking yeah. of twenty. Oh my god, it's been so <laughs> fucking long. October 2021, right before. Yeah, I guess that. Yeah, that, that was summer. a good. Yeah, tw- October 2021 is when we thought we were maybe finally reaching the end of. Uh, yeah, Delta was striking, but oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was. It was the wane of Delta. Um, 
and the yeah. booster shot was circulating. Yes, the booster shot. That's and when we I got were, my booster and, shot. Yeah, we were doing things like going uh, on a, to my bachelor party. Oh, um, God. Oh, take me back. <laughs> oh, God, take me back. <laughs> so, anyways, the first thing that Spyglass actually uh, put into the production pipeline was the soon-to-be-released uh, Hellraiser revival on Hulu. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's them. And then also in development, they have Night Rider. Uh, short, no. short circuit. <laughs> I haven't, those haven't achieved. Oh, cool status for me. Yet. <laughs> uh, a new spy kids film. And then a remake of a movie called perfect strangers. And to be clear, this is not the TV show. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, there's no Balky as far Aww. as I know. There's no dances of joy. No, I mean, I can't say for certain, but, uh, I think it's kind of like a thriller. Uh, you broke up during, did you say a new Spy Kids? Yeah, a new Spy Kids movie. Oh, okay, okay. Anyways, I'm getting I'm getting sidetracked. Spyglass Media Group. This is their first thing to come out. Um, and so basically, you know, this is in the grand tradition of, of franchises that we've talked about extensively, like a Friday the 13th or Halloween. This is now something that is fully in the hands of a, of a production company. Right. Uh huh. Wes Craven has since passed. Uh, rest in peace. One of the mm-hmm. greats. And he's been dead since we started Scream. Uh, <laughs> two months ago. So <laughs> we didn't recently lose him. But yeah. yeah. But uh, but this is the first post post Wes Craven Scream movie. Kevin Williamson came on as a producer. He did not write. Um, I I think I talked about a little bit last week. The the Mick Garris, uh uh postmortem podcast, podcast mm-hmm. that I listened to with Kevin Williamson and he he talked a little bit about working on this and it was it was definitely like he seemed happy with the arrangement it was definitely kind of a godfather type of thing where they were like hey what do you think of this idea and here read this version of the script and give us notes if you want and so he didn't write it and he didn't direct it obviously but uh it sounds like they wanted him to be involved creatively and and as much as he was willing to lend his time to it he did and that's good yeah so so it it was certainly made with his blessing and that's and that's coming from the horse's mouth that's him talking on the podcast also i highly recommend it to anybody who's interested because i mean it's very informative it's interesting he's i mean he's truly one of the great success stories for like spec writers essentially you know he wrote scream and managed to sell it for like half a million dollars yeah. and became one of the hottest screenwriters in Hollywood. And he's still doing really well and working today. Uh, and also for the end of that interview where he does break down in tears talking about Wes Craven and his relationship oh, wow. uh, with Wes and, and, and the way in which he felt like he was a mentor to him. And oh, his, that's awesome. Yeah, and his appreciation for the way that even though Kevin Williamson was a, honestly like a young kid, more or less, he was in his mid twenties when they were making scream, but they, you know, Wes brought him onto the set and, you know, gave, gave him, let him have input and answered his questions and let him ask questions and, you know, was there for the whole process. And, and I think they maintained that relationship through, through most of the series. So it, it was, Great. it was, it was really nice to listen to. And, and also very interesting. I mean, I think it's safe to say that the, filmmaking world the horror world is demonstrably worse without Wes Craven in it yeah yeah absolutely um so casting 
Or, I, I mean, I, and I guess we should talk about writing briefly. Um, so I talked about directors. The writers, so this seems like, and I'm going to do some speculating, as I am wont to do from time to time. But based on the information that I have. I cut that out. <laughs> no, I still speculate. You yeah, know? sure. Uh, You're an oil yeah. speculator. Yeah. We argued about it once for 20 seconds. And, and, and I cut it out because it's, yeah. it's not fun to listen to. <laughs> uh, you can't cut this out. Uh, nope, I will not. Okay, I'm too I, tired. I was trying to give. I was trying to like, how can I say something invaluable that you can't cut around? But the truth is, nothing I say has that much value. <laughs> I mean, I could just fa- like r- fast forward five minutes. You'll be saying the same thing. <laughs> Still, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So, uh, <laughs> two writers, uh, two credited writers on this guy Busick, who co- who wrote Ready or Not. Uh, and then a guy named James Vanderbilt. Um, of who, the Vanderbilts? Yeah, in case you were wondering if he's a nepotism uh, hire. Or oh, he, he really is? Nepotism career. Yeah, he's a fucking Vanderbilt. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care how good you are at writing. If you're a Vanderbilt, uh, you know, he had some help. Uh, yeah. But anyways, that's uh, not to uh, besmirch this man's... Uh, you know, career path, but whatever. Here's the, here's the deal with these guys. So Busick is an up and coming writer. He's sort of affiliated with the radio silence guys. He's worked with them on shorts and he wrote ready or not. Um, so it seems my speculation is that I think they brought him along and, and the, 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 the company was like, yeah, sure he can write it, but we are also going to bring in, uh, an industry guy, basically, specifically the guy who wrote, Darkness Falls, Basic, The Rundown, Zodiac, The Amazing Spider-Man, White House Down, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Independence Day Resurgence. Wow. Uh, which I would point out uh, are all bad, except for Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac. I was going to say, yeah, it's the only one. <laughs> right. I mean, Darkness Falls I've seen. I guess that's as much as I can say. That was his first screenplay. Hmm. Um, but he's clearly a guy who's had a lot of experience writing in the industry. Um, yeah, but anyways, uh, make of that what you will, but you've got two writers and my guess is you've got one who's more closely aligned with the directors and then one who's more closely aligned with the production company, Mm. uh, casting, casting, casting. Okay. It's been so many years. It's been, (laughs) it's been one (laughs) decade since the last screen movie. Yeah. (laughs) Almost. Almost. Um, but um, at this point, me trying to keep track of who is like an up and coming actor is um, close to fucking impossible. Uh, I don't know. How did you feel watching this? I mean, I, I actually know. I know who the lead is. Uh, I uh, Melissa, Melissa Barrera. Barrera. She's in a, a show called Vita, which yeah. I enjoy. I was gonna. Th- I was gonna talk about that. I have never seen it. You like it. I do like it. I okay. never finished this last season. Um, it mm. sort of fell off a bit. Okay, but um, is she the lead in that? She's one. There's. It's a co-lead situation. Okay, gotcha. She's one of them. Yeah. All right. And you like her on that show? Very much so. Okay. Cool. Cool. Um. So yeah, Melissa Barrera, Jenna Ortega, who I knew from you on Netflix. Um. She's in season two. Uh. She plays. <laughs> 
uh, a potential. Oh, I thought you meant me. Like, like, like I, I, oh, you like told, you, you told me about her, and I was like, man, I don't remember her at no, all. No, the television program you, uh, based on the hit novel by Carolyn Kepnes, who used to hang out at Ye Rustic Inn. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Jenna Ortega was somebody I knew, um, and then. Jack Quaid, who uh, most of us know, I think, uh, you know, son mm-hmm. of uh, Dennis Quaid. And is he also Meg Ryan's son? Yep. Yeah. I believe so. He's got some jeans going there. Uh, also, some help probably breaking into the industry. But I will say, he's a very he's a very charming, charismatic actor. I've seen him in a lot of stuff, and, and he's usually pretty fun. So, um, yes, he inherited that from his parents as well. Um, who else do we have? Uh, bum, 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 bum. Jasmine Savoy Brown and Mason Gooding as the Meeks Martin twins. Jasmine Savoy Brown, I know because we just finished watching season one of Yellow Jackets, which she is. Oh, wait, which one is she? Uh, who's she in that? She's the young Taisa Turner. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right. She's a senator as an adult. Uh, teen Taisa. She's great. Uh, she's really good in that. Um, and then we've got Mikey Madison, uh, who plays uh, Amber. I recognized her from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yes, me too. I, I, I had to look it up after. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I did too. So, you know, I was It was like, immediately once credits rolled, I pulled my phone out. Yeah. And, and I was looking up who she was. Right. I was like, why do I know this young woman? Mm-hmm. Uh, Dylan Minnette from 13 Reasons Why and a number of other things. Uh, he's been in a lot of stuff, uh, including some uh, some horror stuff. He's in Don't Breathe, uh, Let Me In, uh, a handful of other things. So he plays Wes Hicks, uh, formerly deputy, now uh, Sheriff Judy Hicks' son. Yeah, so you called that. Yeah. Um, one of your predictions was that there'd be some old faces that show up. Fewer than I, was, I thought. And I was like, well, who the fuck could that possibly be? <laughs> and, and then as soon as she's on screen, I was like, hey, you're right. Yeah. The answer is Deputy Judy. That's who. Well, that's one of two. The other returning cast member all the way from Scream 1, Skeet Ulrich. Uh, yeah. Getting the Princess Leia treatment. <laughs> Uh, I or I guess that it, they they've done it with so many different uh, actors now, but uh, I remember the first time I really remember some insane de aging. I feel like was was Princess Leia in uh, was that Rogue One? Oh, I never saw it. Yeah, the Irishman is how I, I, I as soon as Skeet Ulrich was on screen, I was like, mm-hmm. it's hard to say Skeet Ulrich on screen. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, maybe they gave him the Irishman. <laughs> Him, the old Irishman. The funniest thing about the Irishman is uh, watching de-aged Robert De Niro do anything that requires yes, any physical Because his agility. body is that of a whatever, however old De Niro is. Right. Um, and then a handful of other folks. So like I said, Marley Shelton coming back. Sonia Amar plays uh, Liv McKenzie, probably the most forgettable of the teens. Um, Kyle Gallner. Uh, and then our big returning, the OG three, uh, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette reprising their roles. And of course, yes, Roger Jackson is the voice of Ghostface. still sounds good. He, yeah, I, I, I was a little it. worried that this far along, 
just the natural process of aging after 25 years, his voice would sound significantly different. It doesn't really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. No, so sounds good. That's a blessing. Uh, oh, yeah. And Heather Matarazzo. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, that was the other one. I couldn't think that of the other, the other person. One. And yeah. that was, yeah. She, what a weird fucking continuity <laughs> in the series. It's like, oh, Brandy's sister yeah. is Remember now... the weirdest stunt cast yeah. mini cameo? Like, let's yeah. do that again. It's like stunt casting for film nerds only? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this this came out, uh, I mean, as you guys know, because you listen to us hem and haw about whether we're going to see it or not. Uh, I think it's been out for 10 days now and mm-hmm. uh, had a good opening, excuse me, good opening weekend. First movie to dethrone Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, so despite the ravages of Omicron, uh, you know, uh, horror simps like me and Eric were willing to go out there and uh, sit in a the theater and and it was fine. There was one. Was it? It was just us, and then one other couple, two other Who couples. Did not wear a mask. Yeah, they, no. neither of them wore masks, and no. they were looking at their phones the entire fucking time. They were cool. Yeah, they're <laughs> they're very cool. <laughs> Super chill. But uh, but I felt I felt good about my Can ninety five, and we were well placed. We sat towards the back of the theater, yes. so yes. all of their uh, cursed air was going forward <laughs> away from us. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so far no symptoms for anybody. It's been. I had a sore throat, but did it you? went. Away. It, it did actually. <laughs> yeah, it oh, went away. No. I don't know. Okay. My what? It was. It was gone in a heartbeat. All right. Well, I felt fine, and it's been a week now. We saw it seven days ago. Yeah, I don't think we got anything from it. I think yeah. my sore throat was. Who know? Who knows? <laughs> Is there anything you want to say or would like to know about the production of this film before we get to our blood and guts check? No, my work stuff is happening, so I got to deal with that. Okay, cool. Well, we're going to take a very brief break like we always do. so far. Do you have a gun? I'm Sydney Prescott. Of course I have a gun. Something about this one just feels different. Samantha? I'm, I know who you are. I've been through this a lot. This is your life now, which means that whoever this is is going to keep coming for you. You ready? This? Never. There's certain rules to surviving. 
The attacks were all on people related to the original killers. Whatever his link is to our past, it's pulled us all back here. And I won't sleep until he's in the ground. Twenty-five years after Billy Loomis and Stu Mocker terrorized the town of Woodsboro, high school student Tara Carpenter is home alone when she's attacked by Ghostface and is severely wounded but survives the attack. While out of town, Tara's older sister Sam is informed by Tara's friend Wes about her sister's attack. Sam returns to Woodsboro with her boyfriend Richie to visit Tara at the hospital, where she reunites with the rest of Tara's friend group, Amber Freeman, twins Chad and Mindy Meeks Martin, that's a hyphenated name. Meeks Martin. Correct. Meeks Martin. And Liv McKenzie. Liv Summerfling Vince Schneider is the next to be murdered by Ghostface. Later at the hospital, Sam is attacked by Ghostface and struggles with hallucinations of Billy Loomis, who is later to be confirmed as Sam's biological father and the reason why she left town and became estranged to Tara. The next day, Sam and Richie visit a reclusive Dewey Riley, who has been in a bad place since his divorce with Gail Weathers. They ask for his help in stopping the killer. He contacts Sidney Prescott and Gail, warning them of the reoccurrence of Ghostface before joining the teams at Mindy, sorry, the teens at Mindy and Chad's home. There, he reunites with the twins' mother, Martha, the sister of the late Randy Meeks. The aforementioned fav- Heather Matarazzo. Exactly. Yeah. A series favorite. <laughs> Vince is revealed to be Stu's nephew. With the three attacks being on people related in some capacity to the original killers, Sam is accused of being the killer. She angrily leaves. Ghostface murders Wes and his mother, Sheriff Judy Hicks, who from part four, we should mm-hmm. point out. Marley there, Shelton. Yep. Mm-hmm. there, Dewey reunites with Gail, who has arrived in town to cover the story. At the hospital, Tara and Richie are attacked by Ghostface, but are saved by Dewey and Sam. Dewey is killed when he attempts to finish off Ghostface. Sydney arrives in, ta- in town and meets Gail and Sam. Sydney asks Sam to t- help take down the killer, but Sam declines, choosing to leave town with Richie and Tara. Sydney warns that there is no running, and that Ghostface will follow them. Sam, Richie, and Tara intend to leave Woodsboro, but are forced to stop at Amber's house to retrieve an extra inhaler for Tara. Sydney and Gail follow the trio trio to Amber's house, which is revealed to be Stu's old house where the original events took place. There, Chad and Mindy are both attacked and stabbed by Ghostface, rendering them both unconscious. Sam tends to Mindy the friend group convenes, and after some back and forth about who the killer is, Amber pulls out a gun and shoots Liv in the head, revealing herself to be the killer. When Gail and Sydney arrive, Amber feigns being attacked, a ruse that neither Sydney nor Gail fall for, leading Amber to shoot Gail, incapacitating her. Richie stabs Sam and reveals himself as Tara's attacker and Amber's accomplice. 
Richie and Amber take Sam, Sydney, and Gail into the kitchen where Sydney has uh, had first faced off against Billy and Stu. Richie and Amber reveal that they are obsessive fans of the Stab series. They're disappointed in its trajectory and want to provide a new story to be adapted based on true events, planning to frame Sam uh, since she's Billy's daughter. Gail shoots Amber, who lands on the stove and is lit aflame. Sam is injured, but a hallucination of Billy points her to Amber's knife on the floor, thus saving her life. She uses it to stab Richie multiple times before shooting him to ensure he dies. A badly burned Amber attempts to attack the group again, but is shot dead by Tara. Tara and the Meeks twins are taken to the hospital. Sam thanks Sydney and Gail for their help. Gail refuses to write a new... Uh, a, a, uh, sorry, Gail refuses to write about the new murders so that so as not to give the killers notoriety and let them live in anonymity. She plans instead to write a touching tribute to Dewey. Okay, those are the broad strokes. I think Very some broad. New, some nuance was lost there. Yeah, as is is sometimes the case. We didn't have one of Wikipedia's best synopsis writers no, on this one. It it's was, a new was, movie, and also yeah. we were uh, kind of limited in our own notes to take since we didn't want to be assholes and sure. just be on our phone the whole time. I still took some. To <laughs> I not, took a couple yeah. notes too, but um, it was a little, uh, yeah, yeah, not not as many as I would like. Yeah, well, at one point, <laughs> we were, I was talking about some of my notes in the car with Kenda, and she was like, yeah, it took me a while to figure out you were taking notes, and for and for a minute, I considered like slapping you in the head and making you put your phone. <laughs> yeah, I, I was even though my neighbors to the left of me, oh yeah, were Couldn't openly texting during it. During it, I still like felt the need to hide the phone under my jacket. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's yeah. you. That's you, baby. <laughs> that's me. Yeah, that's my neuroses. Yeah. Okay, blood and guts check. I feel like there is a ton of. Uh, of build up around this this episode. Yeah. People want to know our opinions. Yes. There's there's a lot of positive buzz around this movie. It's not universal. It's um, not universal, but I but I think but yeah, most I of the people I see on Twitter who whom's I um follow. Yeah, who I follow and people I whose opinion I respect. Yeah. Let's see. I'm I'm pulling it up as we speak. Because I was I was remarking on the same thing myself, so I won't sell out anybody in particular, but I'll just tell you these are the ratings that uh, people that I follow have given it. Okay, so we've got a two, a two. This is out of five stars, by the way. A yeah. two, a two, a two and a half, a three and a half, and a five. A so like five. Really running the gamut. Uh, was the five from a previous guest of ours? Yes, it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I know he liked Peter. Peter liked it a lot. Peter did like it. Peter gave it five stars. Um, and yeah, and there's a couple other people who I have also heard from uh, that I don't follow on Letterboxd, but I know enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So yeah, what did you think about okay. Five Cream? Five Cream. Okay. Um, I've had a lot of time to think about this. In some, sure. in some ways, my opinion of it, I'm still just as confused as when I left the theater. It mm-hmm. is a complete mixed bag for me. Yeah. Um, there are some things that I'll get into that I really like that they did. Mm-hmm. A lot of the complaints we've been voicing 
mm-hmm. about the series are sort of addressed. They, yes, in this there's. One. If I can interrupt for a second, there's a lot of things that they attempt to address. Yeah, I think the level of success they have in addressing those things, like you said, is a very mixed bag. Um, but then I think the uh, its reliance on the past, mm. and this is something I want to make a. I I, I want to go off for a second Do once it. you're done. No, no, no. I, I want you to say your opinion because no, I have I some always strong. Say a bunch of shit before you do. Go ahead. Say what you okay. Want to say. I am now of the opinion that the Scream series is the least ambitious horror series, mm. maybe of all time. Wow. Um, I think they've been making the same movie five times uh-huh. in that they confuse being inventive with being self-referential. Yeah. Um, even to the point where I noticed, I didn't say this in like Scream 2, but I noticed this, and I and I noted it with every subsequent movie. Uh-huh. There is a similar formula to every single one. Yeah, which this movie does sort of break a little bit, and I want to talk. I want to give it props there, but the uh, usually it's the initial kill. Mm-hmm. We meet back with Sydney or the main character, right? Who is attacked within the first act, mm-hmm. which leads the rest of the crew to gather sure and then we're with them as they try to solve the problem until the end mm-hmm. and a new killer is revealed their motives are similar yeah. and also equally as um unfulfilling yeah and i would also say this is this is a lesser point but with the exception of two it always ends at a party yes it does yeah yep um, and there is always a conversation about where it falls in the uh, scope of horror films. Right, it's right. either the first movie, it's a second movie, it's a trilogy, it's a remake. In this one, it's a what do they call it? A, they call, they it, call a, it a requel. I think a requel. The legacy sequel is the more accepted critical term. Yeah. Um. And then they talk about the rules of that, and then they follow the rules of that, mm-hmm. and it's never a surprise. Right. And this is a series that I consider to be great uh-huh. until I watched all of the movies back to back. Okay. Sorry. I went on for a bit. No. no well, let's talk about your thoughts. Um, I think... I mean, I uh, we we may quibble on some small individual things, but I think that we're pretty close together on this. Um, mm-hmm. I think that overall, you know, one one of the things that haunts every episode of this podcast for me, with any movie that I've never seen before or rarely seen, is the battle between expectations and then how a movie delivers on those expectations. Right? Yeah, yeah, and so. You know, the pendulum could have swung significantly if just this movie had been panned by everyone, right? Yeah. Because it's especially the case. Some movies are just immediately identifiable as as great or terrible, but it's they're rare, truly rare, I think, on both ends of the spectrum. Um, the first movie in this series, sorry to anybody who's, like, holding their breath to see what the Scream rankings are going to be. but it's Yeah, an, I think it's pretty yeah. clear at this it's, point. It's an unassailable classic. It's truly a fantastic horror movie. Yeah. 
And uh, anything that falls in the middle, if someone tells me it's awesome and I, and I go see it, I'm going to be like, hey, it wasn't as good as you said it was, so I was kind of disappointed. But if somebody tells me it's fucking terrible and I go see it, I'll be like, hey, it was better than I expected. So I kind of had a good time. Yeah. I think this one got a little bit of a boost, kind of like you were saying. It was it was riding mostly positive feedback from the people I had talked to. So inevitably, there was a correction. And so I think that my experience watching it was tinged a little on the negative side. Yeah. Because this movie is not fantastic. Um, that's I like, agree. That's like I my agree. immediate review is just like, it's okay. Some parts are impressive. Other things really had me either scratching my head, laughing, making yeah. making mocking notes on my phone, yeah. you know. And it's like you said, it is a mixed bag, and it's not the messiest movie we've ever covered, but it no, definitely no, has no. its ups and downs. I think it's not a Halloween Kills. No, no. That and that, that's something that as we left the theater. Mm-hmm. And we were like, are we going to talk about this? Or are we not? I right. was like, well, this doesn't need to be talked about right now because, <laughs> a, I wanted to still yeah. formulate my thoughts on it. Definitely. But b, it's not a it's not a disaster. Yeah, I don't even think it's a bad movie. No, I think it's a middling kind of movie. I agree. Yeah. Um, um this is going to be such a hard franchise for me to rank. Really. I <laughs> I actually think I kind of know my rankings at this point. I I envy you. But um, so. I want to talk about uh, a bad thing. Okay. Um. Okay. No. No. You know what? No. 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 I'm not going to do that. I'm going to talk about a good thing. Okay. I think that they took the note that we gave them mm-hmm. that the last screen movie was too white. Yeah. And now we do have two main characters who are people of color. Right. We and have a much more diverse cast this time. Much more diverse cast. We have the Meeks Martins or whatever their their mm-hmm. last last hyphenated name is. Um. And it it, it that's good. Yeah, I like that the focus is not on Sydney anymore. Right, we right. have a new main character and her sister. Yeah, um, they, d- they definitely put more work into spending time with the new cast to a certain degree, developing them out. But again, this yeah. is one of those things where I think it's hit and miss. It's like they tried. I think they tried. You so know. that leads me to my one of my main complaints uh-huh. is that I don't like that the main character forgive me i don't remember uh her name sam sam, sam. carpenter sam carpenter that's right when they said her name <laughs> last name is carpenter i turned to mike and said do you get it he's like no i'm like carpenter <laughs> that he had a hearty laugh and i'm gonna assume <laughs> sam is sam raimi probably. oh yes i didn't even think about that um that they made her billy's illegitimate daughter of course you know i'm gonna fucking bitch about that that's my least favorite thing is when they start inventing siblings Mm -hmm. and also that she sees him as Uh, like she's like psychotic and she sees hallucinations of him so it's like you're never sure is she going to be the killer that is a a thing that never gets paid off except for like he he points like hey pick up that knife or whatever the fuck at the end i don't like that and it's and it's also just kind of like I mean and here's the thing is is these movies I think have this like built-in defense mechanism that's yes. like that's like oh well we're doing this cuz that's the cliche. Exactly. And that's one of my problems watching these all back right. to back. It's like you call them out then you do them. Supr- 
legitimately surprise us. Yeah. The first movie was a... Sorry. I, I yeah, no, no, no. I'm fired up. I've been fired up about this all week. <laughs> the first movie was a legitimate surprise. Yeah. I think the second movie was still pretty surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then from there, they've been riding on their fucking laurels yeah. uh, for like three movies. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. And, you know, so it's, it's this stuff of like the de-aged legacy character who is dead. I mean, he's basically... It's funny because... I think uh, Matt, after, because he was on for Scream 3, and then when we did Scream 4, he texted Scream me. Scream 2. Oh, he's Scream 2. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So long ago. So he, anyways, he reached out after um, after our Scream 4 episode, and I had referenced the Star Wars The Force Awakens last week, and he was like, Scream, this new one is really The Force Awakens one, and I was, and he's uh-huh. 100% right about that. Yeah. Um, and they even call it out. Yeah. I mean, literally, Billy's like a fucking force ghost. He's like an evil Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is they do this. They, they they constantly do this thing where they're like, well, we can do this dumb thing because we're making fun of it. And it's like, it doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it good for the movie. Yeah. And and I think the biggest thing, like the biggest criticism I have of this movie and and most of the sequels is that the first movie is so it became so noteworthy and it became such a a big part of the zeitgeist because of the meta commentary and because it was so self-aware but we just watched it and i've seen it a hundred times and the thing is compared to all these other movies it's so scaled back it's a good horror movie yeah that has that stuff sprinkled over the top of it right yeah. and then every other movie is is just trying to live off of that and that alone. They, it's like they learn the wrong lessons. Yeah. From the first movie and they're like, "Oh, what people like is the self-aware thing." Yeah. And then so let's just amp that up compare in in amp that up in only that. Right. Um you know what I would have thought would have been uh, sorry, you know what I thought would be a really cool killer reveal, which mm. probably a lot of people hate, but I think would be surprising. Is if the killer was a random person, <laughs> like, not- like the Last Jedi, they they fucking name check Ryan Johnson in this, and like that yeah. is what he did more or less. Is he he tried to kind of diffuse, you know, the expectation of this of this sort of genre, and then this movie's doing the same thing, you know. There's no surprises. No, when the boyfriend is revealed. Sorry, so I mean, we already said it. Yeah, it's Amber. Who is basically Charlie from Four? Right. She's just like an obsessed mm-hmm. psychopath. Right. And then we have the boyfriend, who's a, a, I guess Richie. sort yeah. of like Richie, sort of like Billy. Mm-hmm. And we don't think it's him because at one point they're like, eh, "It's too obvious that it's him." But then it's right. him. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't care. It would have been more interesting if it was a random person or sure. it was like fucking Dewey, like. Also, I called Dewey dying, by the way. You did. You absolutely did. And I was just thinking about this before we started recording. It's like, also, what if they just did, I don't know, something different? Like, regardless yes. of who the killer was, what if it just ended in a different way? What if like, it was different? <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, it, it would be one thing if, okay, so it's Amber and Richie, but what if what if they really did subvert our expectations of, like, you know, uh, I, I'm just spitballing here, but 
But, you know, we have this thing where it's like the big reveal at the end in the house and then they give their speech in this sort of James Bond villainy kind of way, but then they get the tables turned on them. It's like there are a hundred different ways to end a slasher movie. Like, just go do one of those. You don't even have to come up with something totally new. Just steal an ending from some other fucking movie that isn't the four movies that came before this. Exactly. Yeah, and that's like even Friday the Thirteenth, which is a an eight. I mean, I guess it would be considered a tier. Yeah, it's a B tier series. You know, right. what I mean? like it's it's not creative. It found ways to reinvent itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's very most of them are not similar to each other. Yeah, like uh, like three is nothing like seven. You're right. And yeah, you know, like. I'm exhausted by this series in a way that I haven't been exhausted before for a series that I considered to be one of my favorite. I mean, I will be honest. Like, I mean, this is almost a conversation that like is probably best saved for Thursday, but I'll yeah, say so right, that, I, I was like nervous about even yeah, bringing up my, qualms, I will but. say right now though, I wasn't really, I, and this is in no way, shape or form is this. And I told you so kind of thing. It's just like, I think it's funny and I enjoy that you've kind of come around to how I felt about Scream from the very beginning, which is like it's a home run from the with the first movie, and then nothing else left that much of an impression on me. It was all kind of mediocre from there on out. Yeah. You know, but let's talk about this one a little bit. So, yeah, let's talk about this one. So I, I, I'm so bummed. Like, you know yeah. why? Because like, I feel like there are people who, who are like excited about right. what we might think about this, and I wanted to like it. I really did. Yeah. I didn't hate it. Let me just be clear. I don't hate this movie. Okay. I want to fire off in 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 this pursuit of positivity. I'm going to do a brief lightning round of, of naming and not going into too much detail about some things that I liked. And then we can revisit some of those if you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, cast wise, I like Jack Quaid. Yes, I, I like Jenna Ortega a lot. I think she the she's the little she's sister? the younger sister. She's good. And I would say, and this is a back, this is again a criticism and a compliment together. I think this is a better movie if you reverse the sort of lead uh, dynamic between her and Sam. Um, yeah. I strongly prefer Jenna Ortega's performance to, um, what did we say her name? Melissa Barrera. However, I have it on fairly good authority that Melissa Barrera is a fine actress. So I think the writing is not doing her any favors I, here. I was thinking about that the entire time I was watching it because I, I'm a Melissa Barrera apologist. Yeah. Because uh, I think she's very good in Vita. Uh-huh. Um, and she's cast really well in Vita. Okay. Because um, she's sort of like the ditzy hot sister who okay. like, goes back to her. <laughs> so it's a very like, different boi- character. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Who goes back to her like Boyle Heights roots and and she's like the one who drinks like smoothies and everyone's like what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, she's very good in that and yeah. I and I think she's a talent like in other things she's she's been very good in this I just don't think she had a very strong written strongly written character no she has she's some, doing some really be- bad lines you know <laughs> Abs- yes there was one in the I don't remember what it is if if I could have written it down as a note I would have there's one in the hospital that like I think I looked at you it's like when she's talking about uh you know fucking Billy being her dad and all that shit yeah it's just yes. like the way she just like dumps out like they wrote what should have been a three paragraph, like back and forth into two lines. Into two lines, yes, yeah. ex- that's exactly the point. That the part I was talking about. Yep. Yeah. 
Um, but I really like, so again, Jenna Ortega, I think is great. Um, I enjoyed almost everything she did in this. I really like the twins. I like Mason Gooding and Jasmine Savoy Brown. Me too. They were both a lot of fun. I thought she was great. Like yeah. she was one of my favorite characters. I think she's going to be, uh, very famous. I, yeah, I, she seen, she had that star quality. Right. Where it's like, oh yeah, there's she has it, and she's kind of the stand. She's one of the standouts in the cast of Yellow Jackets too. And I think she's. I the, we're calling it now, probably three years later than <laughs> anybody who pays attention to the industry. But yeah, Jasmine Savoy Brown's uh, gonna be have a, have a solid career for a while. And lastly, with the core cast, um, I really like David Arquette in this. Yeah, um, me too. He does a really good job with, uh, you know, what's a, a fairly cliche sort of role, but he's just, he's, I mean, he, it's sad that he's gone, but he, I mean, he, he kind of almost gets to be the one person who kind of batted a thousand through this whole series. He's just really yeah. likable in every movie. Um, and then the other thing <laughs> that was a note from Kenda and I both is, uh, and this is no shade to Courtney Cox, who oh, made, boy. No made, made the decisions that she needed to make uh, for whatever reason. Uh, yeah. But but Nev Campbell looks amazing. <laughs> she looks great. And boy, Courtney Cox's face isn't moving much these days. No, no. And that was sad. I mean, yeah. whatever. Like you said, I ne- I hate when people criticize plastic surgery. I just did it. But it, you know people make the choices they make to make themselves feel better. And right. But Nev Campbell looks great. <laughs> <laughs> Nev Campbell looks like an amazing, like late forties woman. Uh, she's, she's aging wonderfully, but yeah. yeah. Um, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, thoughts, your thoughts on the cast, on the characters, where, where do you land on, on a lot of this stuff? Cause I left out the things that I didn't like from that list, which you can kind of figure out by process of elimination. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, w- uh, David Arquette is interesting in this movie because I think he's been better in the rest of the series mm-hmm. and he's kind of just doing what he needs to do. And he, it's hard to play dark Dewey. Sure. I think it is. And, um, I like his, I liked his death scene. I like that ghost face is like, it's been an honor. Yeah. That was, that was like a, a, a cool moment. I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's dope. Right. <laughs> I wish we would have lost another, another principal cast member in this movie. Really? Uh-huh. Like, I wish we would have lost Courtney Cox. Sure. She could have died with Dewey. It would be beautiful. That's, a, that's a think- good point. There would be something kind of romantic about that. If he's going to go, then maybe she can go. They go together. They go establish like sort of showing that they still love each other. Exactly. Yeah. And now we're just when the next scream comes around, Nev Campbell and Courtney Cox are gonna be fucking trotted out again. Right. They're, <laughs> I'm sure their roles will be reduced like they are in this one. They don't. Yeah. Sh- they are not in most of it. Mm-hmm. Which was one of my complaints with with like I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Did I vocalize that? Like one of my complaints with like three, four, five is that we're still focused so heavily on Sydney. Yeah, you you did say that about four. Um, which in this I, one we're not. They're not, and and that is like a change that they've made that I think is in spirit uh, a, a solid one. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of that what would have been their screen time, specifically what would have been Neff's Campbell Campbell's screen time, goes to the Melissa Barrera stuff, which is a total non-starter for me. 
Uh, yeah. And I feel bad for her because, like I said, I mm-hmm. like her. Yeah. Uh, I think she's good. I think she wasn't given much. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, Jack Quaid, I think, fares a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just because of his, like, sort of the sheer brute force of his, his charisma or if they just wrote him a much better part. But I, it probably is the, I mean, I think it's easy or to be the like doofy boyfriend for most of it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But he's very, I mean, he's very funny. He's very charming. I, I think he's good in this. Forgive um, me for not remembering her name. The, the actor who plays Amber. Mikey um, Madison. She's really good too. She is. I think, I think she like stands out. I just don't like her character like i don't oh, like yeah, i, I the didn't way like her character her. either yeah. but i think she has an intensity about her she does which is yeah. why she was cast in um once upon a time in hollywood yeah she's really kind of unforgettable yeah yeah in, in a similar character honestly like at the end <laughs> yeah of the day. pretty much she brings a lot of the same energy um so there's another thing i wanted to talk about that i really strongly disliked about this movie um and that is, and and this is something that you know I already complain about sometimes, and and, I, and you're going to hear me talk about more and more as my school career goes on, uh, <laughs> and I am I equipped with more language to talk about what I like and don't like, and maybe one day I'll be able to actually explain my Canadian thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I I feel I am equipped to talk about how and why I despise the cinematography of this film. Oh, interesting. That wasn't anything that stood out to me. So it is really, it just comes down to choices that are made. And so it's, I mean, I don't even know that we would go so far as to call it the cinematography. It's almost the, the, it's the look and the color and the contrast of this movie, which is doing something that is pretty popular across certain swaths of, you know, TV and film these days. And I will say that it's not it's not a good bad thing in terms of the quality of the movies and shows. Like I can think of there are shows that I won't even name that I think are really good shows that make similar decisions about flat contrast uh and dim lighting mm-hmm. that are great shows that are wonderfully written and really enjoyable, but like I think it's I think it's an unpleasant thing to look at. And this one was so the two issues that I have are the, the the way that this is this is presented is so flat in its contrast and it's dark. It is underlit and it's intentional. If you've ever seen the show that Dylan Minnette is on, 13 Reasons Why on Netflix. Mm, I haven't. It's a show that looks like this. Okay. And and I tried, and and unfortunately, the 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 fidelity of the image that I got wasn't good enough to try to show this to anybody. I'm waiting for a good screenshot, but it's they all they put it on a platter because they go back to the the Stu Mocker house at the end of the movie. Yes, and they have this this climactic speech delivered by Richie in the same kitchen that they have this speech with you know Skeet Ulrich and and Matthew Lillard. And it is so flat and blue and dim in this movie. And then you yeah. go back and you watch the original and the colors pop and there's contrast. And it is, you know, it's they make a joke about stuff being over, like movies being overlit in this movie. And they I do, was yeah. like, turn a fucking light on. 
That's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking the reveal that it's Stu's house uh-huh. um, reminded me of the part in three where it's revealed that Sydney is on a set. Yeah. And the reveal of that, I think, is be- in three is better than the reveal of four that it's even when they showed me it was Stu's house. Mm-hmm. I was like, it doesn't, I guess, it, yeah, I guess that looks like it's not that. the payoff they want. You no, know? it's not the payoff they want. Like, um, oh, dang. Oh, I had something. Oh, I have a freak. I have a list of of little pet peeves. The first, well, the first one. This isn't even a complaint. This is just something that I thought that I said that I wrote down to my. This is like a stoned thought, uh, which I, I wasn't, have a stoned thought too that I want to. Yeah, y- you you go first. Okay, so this one is they they do all of this buildup of like they were going back to Woodsboro and and you know like they did in four also. This idea that like everybody in Woodsboro is always talking about the Woodsboro murders, and it makes sense, right? Like you know, it's like a big deal. But one thing that they never fucking, they almost never mention in four and or in this movie is it would be a way bigger fucking deal if the whole cast of Stab Three was murdered. Yeah, this is like a series that's on movie eight, and it's yeah. like, well, wait. Did Stab 3 come out? The one where they were <laughs> right, shooting yeah. it and That's everyone died? I didn't think about that. I never thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the craziest fucking thing that ever happened. People yeah, would be, it'd be talking like about one of those, that. Like, oh, you know how the exorcist was cursed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, think about how much we talk about uh, uh, John Landis killing two people. Right. It's like, no, the whole cast was murdered and the director. And the director was the killer. That's right. The director was the killer. Yeah. (laughs) My stoned thought was it's interesting to have a movie like Scream that is based on movie fandom as Mm -hmm. movies mean less and less in the popular consciousness of society. Hmm. Movies have never meant less. To to the world, I would yeah. argue, uh-huh. than they do right now, and this is still a series with '90s level fandom and encyclopedic knowledge as it's as the forefront. And I know we love movies in that way. Mm-hmm. We do a podcast about, sure. about movies, and we engage people. But I think as a whole. Nobody gives a fuck about movies anymore. It's a dying industry in some ways. <laughs> I mean, I think I I have to disagree with you just because I I mean if you're going else, to film school, <laughs> well, I'd be one because I want to disagree with you, but also yeah. two. I mean, movies make more money than they ever have before. <laughs> like even by Marvel inflation. movies do right, yeah. but that's yeah. So if you want to talk about cinema, sure, but it's like. The movie industry is fine. It's just changing. It's morphing into these tent into the tentpole, you know, IP franchise sort of model. But it's like people care a lot about movies and go to see movies. It's just they have to care a lot about pe- shitty movies. I think movies. some people care a lot about movies, whereas the young people care less. That's my that's my take. <laughs> but I mean, this whole the whole premise of this is revolves around you know, toxic fan bases that are large and powerful. Yeah. And so let's talk about that for a second yeah. because I did, I did like that aspect of it. Mm. Oh, you know what? The, the thing I couldn't remember before was that 
they spend all, they spend some time uh, making fun of elevated horror. Yeah, where it's like, well, maybe this movie could have used some elevated horror <laughs> approaches to like the look. And, yeah. You know, well, but that's the thing. The look is going for that. This fucking flat, underlit shit. That is kind of an A twenty four thing. Like it's not an all, I mean, and and that's not really fair to say because there's a whole, you know, cadre of directors who have done A twenty four horror movies, and but it's like I don't know. You know, it looks like. The Witch, which is a movie that I think justifies the use of that kind of cinematic look. Mm-hmm. And I think here they're just borrowing it for some kind of street cred. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe so. Um, I, I think I, less about lighting and more about terms of framing and just mm-hmm. shots. Like, yeah. It, I don't know. There's nothing about it that really like stood out to me in a way that like something watching like yeah, and it follows or something. No, like, it's you're it's, like oh yeah, like there are brilliant shots in that movie. Though. Well, do you think that this is part of the curse of West Craven and 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 by by virtue of West Craven directing the first four movies of this series not having a clear visual style? Maybe, maybe so. I but that. That being said, I don't even really think I'll go to bat very hard for the visual style of like movies two through four. Right. That's what I'm saying is like, what do you, what do you even come into this saying, okay, here's what we got to do to make this look like a scream movie. It's like, I don't know the answer to that. I don't either. Uh, We're being very negative. I wonder if there's anything. Hold on. Well, okay. Let me get it all out real quick. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. This is my negativity lightning round. These are my notes. I keep saying lightning round, and then they take really long time. Um, You're talking about the A24 thing. I think it's really interesting to humor that because I think these movies need to be heightened and somewhat unrealistic. That is sort of how they work best. And this movie tries to flirt with getting a little more realistic, and anytime it does, it fails. Uh, I specifically made this note during the Judy Wes Hicks stuff when he is after she's dead and he's like walking around the house and it's like Mm -hmm. it's like all fucking sad and depressing and it's like his mom's dead and he's about to die and it's like it it, it just doesn't feel right for this series I don't know I like the tension of that sequence Mm -hmm. because they make a joke not a joke really I mean it's sort of like an in joke of like anytime he opens sure. a door, you hear like the swell of music, then mm-hmm. he closes the door yeah. and ghost faces in there. Um but yes, yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. I did I did like I appreciated the tenseness of that sequence, but I know what you're saying. Okay. Next, um I I cannot for the life of me figure out how what's the name of the younger sister Jen Ortega's character? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Sam and Sam and uh, 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 Tara. Um, <laughs> the speed with which Tara, uh, freshly stitched up in the hospital, decides to get out of bed, tear her stitches open, and jump into a wheelchair. Yeah, just take to out all them. of her yeah. IVs and shit. She literally calls into the hallway once, and no one answers, and then she does that. Uh, <laughs> What about the moment where Nev Campbell is just shooting through doors, even yeah. though Tara is upstairs cowering somewhere? Mm-hmm. That yeah. was crazy. Was That's crazy. a fucking crazy sequence. The ending of the movie 
I'm, I, I'll get there on my list, but there's some okay, shit. Okay, sorry, in sorry, there. sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'm ready to get. So now we're, this is this next one. We're at the Mocker House. So last week I made a note about an unbelievable sex refusal with uh, <laughs> with I think it was Robbie or whatever his name was and, and Hayden Panettiere. Well, they one upped that in this with uh, whichever what's the name of the Meeks twin, but um, Chad. 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 Yes, Chad. Um, is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, it actually. is. It is. He's a t- he's a real Chad. Um, which I think is a deliberate joke, right? Um, I think so, yeah. Yeah. But the way that he won't go have sex with his girlfriend for the first time because she might be the killer is the most insane thing I've heard. And she's heard hot in, as fuck. <laughs> yeah. In any of these movies, it's the stupidest thing anyone they've ever tried to pull off. And then, five minutes later, he puts himself into a way more dangerous Way worse situation. situation. Yes. Yeah. Totally voluntarily. Yeah. Um, okay, then Tara uh, could barely move in the hospital, and now later the same day, she is on foot using a walker um, to to just <laughs> stroll around is, is nuts. Uh, the idea that Amber is the one who killed Dewey with the double knife move. Yeah. She's like five foot two. At most, yeah. I'm going to look her up. And it's like she lifts him up off. The, it's uh, she almost like lifts his whole. Dude, he's a wrestler. I yeah. saw David Arquette wrestle. David Arquette wrestle. He's fucking cut as shit. <laughs> yeah, he's a hefty. I mean, he's not like a big boy, but he's like you know muscly. Um, yeah. Okay. More, you, while you look up her 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 height, more complaints from the end of the movie. Uh, so we get this scene of Sydney and Gail offing Amber in the kitchen, which is fun. I like that scene a lot. I like that scene too. That was one of my favorites in the movie, uh, which also has a very, I think, a, a, a pretty fun and in, in what I would, I, I has to be a deliberate callback to her death in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, when she falls onto the stove and gets lit on fire, lit on fire, gets yeah. lit on fire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because she's the one who gets the flamethrower, and right in, in that. Does she but, also get the dog food thrown in her face? The can? I was trying to think of that. I couldn't. Remember. I don't remember if that's her or the other girl. Because the, there's the one girl who gets, who gets her, her face, like, face smashed, smashed on the, hearth. On the banister. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is insane. Um, yeah. I have notes on the end of that movie too. But anyways. Um, Oh, I disagree there. I no, I mean it's just it just goes too far. It's it's at first it's anyways. This is a, this is a different movie. Different movie. <laughs> um, Sydney and Gail finish her off. Then we cut to the climax of the Sam and Richie storyline, and there's a full two minutes before Sydney and Gail come out of the kitchen with the gun mm-hmm. that they have. So it's just like. Either like the movie, I think it's more of an editing. Fuck yeah, up it's than more of anything. like what's happening in the timeline here. Like yeah, I but it but it's just like literally we end this scene. Amber's been dispatched, and then Sam is completely on her own for a whole scene. When you're the whole time, you're going, why aren't Sydney and Gail here? The injury situation at the end of the movie. Oh my god! Yes, I said this to you. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I thank you for reminding me. Yeah, say your uh, piece. <laughs> Uh, Gail gets shot in the stomach. Yep. And Sydney gets stabbed. I don't remember where. In the side. Or like a couple times, right? Yes. And fucking uh, Sam gets 
stabbed in the side of her stomach, abdomen, and then it he twists the knife. Yeah. Gail and Sydney are just wrapped in blankets <laughs> and they're like drinking tea. Yeah, sitting on and the back just, of an ambulance. Not Sam's even like just being hauled away. Walking back and forth. Sam's yeah. just walking around. It's crazy. It, yeah. It, it, yeah. I know you just said like it could, this movie could do to not take place in reality, but, but that, <laughs> in yeah. that case, no, I don't, I don't think so. We never had, but it's, it's even, it's just the thing of like, there's a difference between waving something off in an unrealistic world and never acknowledging it. Yeah. One one feels like a, a heightened reality and the other feels like laziness. And and to me that's the difference. So if it's even if it's just like all you need is a line where where one of the EMTs runs up to Sam and and they're like you've been stabbed, we need to treat you and she's like I'm fine. Then it's like <laughs> okay, fine. She's fine. But this just proceeds like they want they just forgot to address it and it drives me pretty nuts and then the very last note i had which i think i said to you as a joke as we were leaving the theater is uh at the beginning of the movie it is established that sam and tara's mom is stuck at a conference in london oh yes that's right yeah 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 uh must have been a pretty important conference <laughs> yeah she is She's in London. <laughs> yeah, it's the whole thing. He's like, oh, she's stuck in London. I was like, uh, London's like seven hours away. And it's like, oh, yeah, my family got, my daughter got stabbed and almost killed. Ah, yeah. This is a pretty important conference. It's a very important conference. I'm giving a keynote. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, let's bring this baby home. All right. Did I no? Okay, what the fuck did I look? I'm trying to find the um, <laughs> the kills. Uh, <laughs> I think I looked up. The first one is um, <laughs> stabbed in the back ten times with a dildo. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't think this is the right one. I don't think that's this movie. I don't think that's this movie either. No, I think. Um, I mean, I think technically the first kill is Vince, right? Um. Yeah. Oh, can I? Oh, thank you. Yeah. I like that the uh, opening sequence in this movie, the person survives. That's, that's a that's cool different. twist. Yeah. That's a fun twist. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. That was that was something I meant I meant to call out before, but I did not. Yeah. Also, say I think that that Vince sequence if i recall was what they used for like a teaser trailer um yes was pretty much just that sequence and i rem- and i did like it that i think is one of the more successful feats of sort of suspense building filmmaking that these directors managed to pull off because i think that is lacking from a lot of the other parts of the movie okay um anything else left to say or should we get into it no, I, I thought I had more. I, I feel like I didn't do enough justice to the th- the parts of the movie that I like. But yeah, um, that's a, I feel the same way too. Like I'll, I'll warm up to it for my. Finish. We're really railing against of the bad things, in the way that we are want to do, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm self conscious of. Right. Um. But. Yeah, there were things I did like about this movie. I want to be clear with that. Yeah. Um. And I unfortunately couldn't write them down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Kills. Okay. Let's do kills. some kills. We got Vince Schneider, who is uh, stabbed in his neck. Sheriff Judy Hicks, who gets uh, stabbed also. In her the front son, yard of her house, which is at least an interesting location. In the in broad daylight. Yeah. Um, Wes Hicks, her son, gets his uh, stabbed in the throat. Oh, and then uh, Deputy Farney. I'm not sure who that is. Throat slashed open by Amber. To off the screen, hospital. body show. Oh yes, you're right. Yep. Then we got Dewey, one of our principals, gets uh kind of gutted in the back and the front, pulled up. Yeah, it's it's a cool death. An incredible feat of strength from a five foot tall high <laughs> five school three. junior. Yeah, five foot three. Sorry. Uh, we got Liv, who's shot in the forehead by Amber. Uh, Richie. Who is stabbed through both cheeks and then in the stomach? That's the boyfriend, and then finally Amber, who's lit on fire and then stabbed and shot in the head. Mike, what was your favorite death? Um, Amber, who gets to die twice, but mm-hmm. uh, like I like I mentioned, the sequence with uh, Sydney and Gail and Amber in the kitchen. Uh, it's a good little showdown. I got a. I did chuckle. I enjoyed her getting shot, spun around onto a range, and immediately lighting on fire, and then, yeah. and then yeah. being incinerated. And then you know the, the secret. You know the sneak come back to life at the end is whatever. It doesn't really impact my vote on this one way or the other. That's a good one. Um, I uh, honorable mention for me. I I like when she just is like ah fuck it and just shoots somebody in the head. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Um. I want to say Wes Hicks when he gets stabbed through the neck mm. in a really gruesome way, like in a way that most screen movies aren't that graphic. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed, uh, yeah, okay. uh, and also uh, other honorable honorable mention for Dewey, which probably has the most impactful death yeah. out of. Do you past- have thoughts on the decision to kill him? Um, that was the one I called. Uh, and I don't think I said it on the podcast, but I think as we were walking in, I, I said to Mike, like, hey, just so you know, I meant to say this last time. I think Dewey's going to die. It made the most sense for his character to mm. die because he has not, literally nothing. He's like living <laughs> in a trailer and he has empty bottles of booze all around him. Right. So it makes sense that he would like sacrifice himself one last time. The way in which he dies, uh, the circumstance is... Mm-hmm fucking stupid yeah yeah he's because he's like if you haven't seen the movie he shoots ghostface a few times ghostface gets like thrown back into like a glass display or something Mm -hmm. and then he's like walks back to an elevator they're all rushing for an elevator right and he's like no wait you got to shoot him in the head so you know they're dead and then ghostface comes up behind him and guts him and it's the kind of thing where you know it is it's a tough position to be in as a writer where you want to like simultaneously name check tropes but then subvert them but it's the idea that he would go back is so it's like you know if you really want to be self-aware then he should like and and imagine this too and 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 i'm saying this now and i'm like this would be more interesting than a lot of the decisions they've made in a lot of these movies what if he did just fucking kill that ghost face like yes i thought that too i thought that like that'd be cool to have a mid 
um, movie reveal of a ghost face. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, there's still another ghost face because there's always two now. Right. And they could have like the things die down and people's guard is let exactly. down and then somebody and then, else gets another, killed. You know? Dude, I know. Like, on, honestly, yeah, I thought the same thing too. It, it, and that's what I'm saying. This, this is a series that mm-hmm. never really takes risks. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Moments that didn't age well. I mean, it's, a, it's almost impossible to this define. Ten days, came out ten days ago. <laughs> I have nothing. I, they. It seems like they actually go out of their way to like be yeah. inclusive and make fun of some of the problematic shit that we would talk about. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to see how it ages. I'll say that. Um, some of this stuff is very zeitgeisty. Yeah. In a way that, like, you know the commentary of the original scream is pretty evergreen. It's about like horror movies, right? The stuff here is very focused on this. Really. It's just been like the last six or seven years of this sort of like toxic fandom rearing its head on Twitter and, you know, Reddit. So who knows if that's going to just be something that 15 years from now, people watch this movie and they're like, Oh yeah, I guess that was a thing in the late aughts. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question. Um and I'm curious to see how this one holds up to repeated viewings for myself because mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. It's it's impossible to say. Yeah. Um on the John Carpenter fear meter. Not a scary series. No. In general. In this Did you movie. you see that AV article about how uh Scream never really found what like makes it scary i'm i'm i just know but bad uh it never really taps into like prescient fears the scariest thing in this whole series is the very first scene of the very first movie yes and yes i agree and so it's it is an interesting thing that i think again like you talked about learning the wrong lessons so in and this and you know you can indict Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson with the same criticism because, you know, they made those first three movies and, you know, Wes made the fourth one. My buddy Wes, I refer to by his first name. Um, (laughs) I mean, I I wrote to the man. Yeah, that's true. But it's, you know, I think the repetition of that, the structure of that opening scene, that's like what they got obsessed with. Yeah. But what makes that opening scene with Drew Barrymore so scary is the like again the subversion of what you would expect from a horror movie but it's also like it's that stuff with her parents and with the phone and with her being just out of reach how close it is to like her Mm -hmm. being rescued yeah and i think i think that has something to do sorry to interrupt you but before i like i just we talked about last week one of our favorite kills from scream 4 did sort of replicate some of that feeling, the killing of the the first friend across the street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he's yeah, see through the window. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the article I'm I'm trying to reference was Scream has never quite figured out what its audience should fear. Uh, mm. It's interesting. It's 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 an interesting read. Okay. Uh, John Carpenter fear scale. I don't know. Five. Five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It's not that scary. It's not the least scary movie in the series. No, certainly not. That is three. <laughs> yeah, that is three. Yep. 
Um, and then finally, Mary fuck kill. I still don't know what I'm going to say. Okay, but I'm going to say yeah. I can go first if you like. Sure. Um, I think that you know this was like you said it was it was a most of this conversation steered negative, but I think that. You know, similarly to Wes Craven, for the most part, the direction here is pretty solid. I think mm-hmm. it's funny because these guys like did something that kind of zigged and zagged with Ready or Not, and it's funny. Like, and, and I'm just gonna assume that you know this is a big franchise property, right? So there were probably a lot more cooks involved in making this stew. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think it gets away from them a little bit, but I really like the Vin sequence. Like I talked about, um, there are, uh, the introduction, the first, the, the, we didn't talk about it much, but like, I think this is one of the better openings of a movie since the first one. I think think so too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the conversation with Ghostface, the way it's played by Jenna Ortega, uh, it unfolds really well. That's probably one of the tensest scenes in the movie. And um, the fact that she survives, I, I yeah. really give credit to the mo- to mm-hmm. the writers. Yeah. Half of this cast is really good. Uh, they made me like uh, probably three new characters more than I've liked uh, any new characters in a while outside of... We, we mentioned Kirby. I like a lot from the last movie. Mm-hmm. But... Certainly more, you know, there's there's usually one person in each movie that I seem that I've enjoyed, you know, from the new cast. And this one had more than I mean, triple that. I, I agree. A, like, I will be happy to see the twins and Tara come back in a Scream 6. Like, I hope and, they're in it. And we we said last episode that, like, they never really give the new characters. They're never sketched very well right and i think they did that in this one i think they did spend a lot of time with these new characters Mm -hmm. yeah um i think the kills are pretty good here um Mm -hmm. the the violent the they've upped the ante with violence yes and i think it's executed in a way that it feels very practical even though i'm sure there's lots of hidden cg that we never see but it's like we are i believe we are kind of in an era right now when Things are getting pretty smooth, especially if you're not doing a movie that's all just green screen everything. It's, you know, I don't know what's practical and what's not. And so that's a credit to the filmmakers and to everybody who worked on the special effects, both digital and practical. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, overall, I think it's, you know, sporadically got me pretty engaged but then the flip side of that is there is there's a good chunk of this movie is really badly written um between like the machinations of the plot and the dialogue being delivered by the characters it's just it's not a good script i really i don't think i i can say it's a good script Mm -hmm. um and 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 like we talked about i think i think some of the poor performances that I saw can be attributed to that. So I am not really interested in, uh, you know, going too hard after anyone's acting ability. It's just kind of like, yeah, I don't know what else you're going to do with that kind of lame role. Um, but I think the biggest sin that this movie commits is it's just like, it doesn't like it. You, you hit the nail on the head from the very beginning of this episode. It doesn't have enough of its own good ideas. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And and it's funny because I did re-listen to a little bit of last week's episode just to get ready because it had been a week since we, you know, watched this movie. And I was trying to think, okay, where did we leave things off last week? I'm talking about that Wes Craven style thing. One of the things that I that I mentioned was that I think that his gift or like the thing that he really brings to his better movies is his ideas. Uh, and this movie could use some of those ideas, yeah. I think. Um, overall, it's not a failure. It's just, it, it just is. It's just another Scream movie. And that kind of seems to be where this series is at. So I'll give it a fuck because I didn't, I certainly didn't hate it. Um, but it didn't get me excited. It was just, it was okay. Uh, Mike, I'm not going to repeat everything you just said because I agree with like a hundred percent of it. Um, mm. we're, I think we're really much, we're very much on the same page here. Um, I think my biggest complaints at this point are with the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, this movie tries. I like some of it. I dislike some of it. And then the rest of it is fine. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to belabor the points anymore. For me, it's also a fuck. Uh, and I, it's going to be interesting seeing where it ranks in the final rankings, which is the next episode. Yeah. We have to figure that out. I think I, I'm pretty clear on most of them, except for maybe the last two. Um, and we'll see. Right. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, even if you have a pre-existing idea of how you're going to do the first four, figuring out where this one slots in even is, is hard for me to say. It, I think there hasn't been, uh, for me, the uh, you know, this isn't going to spoil mm-hmm. any of our rankings, but for me, the quality between the last one and this one, they're pretty comparable. That's mm-hmm. why, I think that's why I was most surprised yeah. about the uh, reaction to this one, because I was like, yeah. Because the last one got a sort of tepid reaction when it came out. Yeah, and I remember liking it, but then revisiting, I'm like, yeah, it's all right. And then yeah. this one, like, yeah, it's all right. Uh, and I, I don't think there's anything that this one does particularly well that the last one didn't. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, this is a conversation for next week. Yeah. All right. And next uh, week, well, and it's it's a conversation for later this week because um, we're gonna. You're right. Yes, later yeah. this week we're gonna forego a third segment tonight because. Oh gotta, my God! Thank you. I was going to bring that. <laughs> we got to bring that up. Uh, behind we, the scenes, this is we're recording very late because yeah. I had a I've had two crazy ass work work days in a row uh great we will <laughs> we promise this in episode one we will be talking about the mask we'll yeah. do that next week we can open up oh no sorry i keep saying next week we'll do that thursday thursday in two days jesus <laughs> holy shit oh right, yeah well, i guess we're gonna record tomorrow or wednesday i don't know one of those days yeah yeah we'll figure it out um we'll figure it out yeah. but we'll be back in your ears in two days if you choose to join us uh with our final ratings and rankings uh, our superlatives for the whole series. If you have any requests for superlatives, you've got about 24 hours to get them in on them our in. socials. And what are those, Eric? At Killstreak Pod on Instagram and Twitter. On if you want to write to us uh, via email, killstreakpod at gmail.com. And leave us a voicemail. Just follow the directions in the show notes. That's right. Okay. Uh, so we'll see you in a couple days. And. Uh, Sleep tight. And as always, holy shit, it's Ghostface. Ghostface.